Nate, you said the New Testament is full of scriptures about rewards. What I discovered is so is the old. Mm. I'm going to give you just a few scriptures here about rewards. Then men will say, surely the righteous still are rewarded. Surely there is a God who judges the earth. Psalm 58:11. There's one from Isaiah 40:11. See, the sovereign Lord comes with power and his arm rules for him. See, his reward is with him. Hmm. And then one from Jesus. Jesus, as you said, talked a lot about rewards. Reward, rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. Matthew 5, 12. So listen up, saints. You've been afraid of a theology of rewards, but Jesus isn't. I agree, and I, I've actually come to the point where I would call it a doctrine. I, Absolutely. I, I really think that there is a clear doctrine of rewards because, as you said, you see it throughout the Scriptures. It's in the Old Testament. It's all throughout the Gospels. Paul reinforces it. Revelation reinforces it. I mean, it's just everywhere. You really, if you don't believe in the idea of eternal rewards, just read through the New Testament once with mm -hmm. that in mind. Actually, just the Gospels. Just do the Gospels. Mm -hmm. Read through the Gospels with this concept in mind, looking for these instances. And it's there so many times that I don't know how you would explain it away. Because I've had people say, nope, everyone is exactly equal in heaven. There is no such thing as eternal rewards. And, and they just don't like this idea. And I, I don't know what you do with all those verses. <laughs> because not only is it talked about a lot, it's emphasized. It's really emphasized. Um, I don't think you can ignore it. Um, my, we just, my wife and I just told our kids a couple of weeks ago that we are planning, hoping, to go to Disney World in January. And they don't know that we've already reserved a hotel and stuff like that. We just said, oh. we're hoping to do this. And we said, in order to do this, we need your help. And so... If we're going to go to Disney World, it means you guys are going to have to do some stuff and earn some points. So we put in a point system. Mm -hmm. And we said for every 200 points, you can earn a day in Disney World. <laughs> and, and we outlined all these ways that they can earn their points. And so they earn their points by doing well in school, by reading all the books, because uh, their school is pretty academically rigorous. And they have to read about a book and a half every week outside of school. Um, Andrew has to practice trumpet every day. Kaylee is learning ukulele and they're both doing voice lessons. And so they've got a lot of stuff. They're pretty busy kids. And, but we've said, we're going to reward your behavior. Mm -hmm. And it also counts for the four-year-old <laughs> and, and her behavior is an academic, but it is, uh, don't whine. If we tell you something, please do it. Obey, obey right away without whining and without screaming and all that other kind of stuff that you want your four-year-old <laughs> to do. Um, and it's only been two weeks and wow, wow. has our house changed. <laughs> I tell you parents, if we could afford to go to Disney world every year, we would do it just for this reason. Um, a lot of people talk about how you can motivate with a carrot or a stick. You can motivate with a stick and you can smack the back of the mule to get him to move. Or you can put the carrot, a carrot on the end of a stick on a string and you can dangle it in front of the mule to get them to walk. So there's the, there's the negative uh, punishment or there's the reward. 
the idea of move towards this carrot and you can get something. Um, and I have found that the carrot works way better than the stick in all areas of life. And guess what? God found that out too. You mm. see the stick very little in the New Testament. Mm. God doesn't bring that out that much. People's idea of God as the mean, scary old man in the sky with a big mallet that's going to whack you if you mess up, that is just not the God we see in the Bible. That's a very Greek God is what that is. That is that is a Norse God, okay? That, that is not the Christian God. That is not the God of the Bible. The God of the Bible is a God who's like, I want you to have rewards in heaven forever. And here's how you get them. I'm not going to make it a secret. I'm going to put it right out there in the open so that everyone can get as many rewards as possible because I'm a loving father and I want you to have these rewards. It would make me happy if you were rewarded. The happier you can be, the happy I'm going to be. And I, as a parent, I understand that. Sure. I want my kids to experience good things. I want them to be as happy as possible. And God, how much more <laughs> does our father in heaven want us to be able to have a, a joyful eternity with him in heaven? And so uh, by, by dangling this carrot in front of my kids, I mean, man. Andrew's reading like a couple hours a day to get as many points as he can. And they're constantly coming up and asking, is there anything we can clean? Is there anything we can pick up? Are there any projects you want us to do? I mean, wow. it's, <laughs> yeah, it's, wow. it's pretty fantastic. Andrew's like, I see some weeds in the backyard and I know you are an enemy of weeds, Paul. And so maybe Andrew could come over and pull some Whoa. weeds here for points. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> you are animated on this subject, Nate. I am. Well, I, I, this has been some, this concept of rewards in heaven. I heard about this, I think in high school. Mm-hmm. I don't remember where, but it, it was about that age. And my parents had taught it to us. So we, we as kids knew this. This is, this is kind of funny. My brother used to actually run to obey anytime one of my parents gave him a task to do, like run and get me a Kleenex, go and do this, go and do that. He would run and bring it right back. And I found out later by asking him, why are you doing that? Like, why are you running? Why are you so happy to do this? And he said, because the Bible says, obey your father and mother and it will go well with you and you will live long on the earth. And he said, so every time I obey and go and bring him a Kleenex, that means I'm going to live another year. Because <laughs> that's what he thought. So he was obeying in faith. Now, um, and so we were taught this idea of rewards. He maybe took it a little, uh, but he was six. So what are you going to do? Yeah. Um, Six-year-olds, you know. But hey, you know, faith like a child. So I, I don't think that I don't think he'll re- lose that reward. Oh. Um, but I I became captivated early on by this concept of rewards, and it has been, you know, the truth will set you free. Yes. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And I think that this truth about rewards in heaven has set me free from a lot of things, including being upset or worried or frustrated with certain situations in my life. Because when situations in my life get difficult, I can say, you know what? I'm going to be rewarded in heaven. Mm. And it really helps me get through that. And I'm going to read the verse that relates to this. This is Jesus. Matthew 5, 11 and 12. Blessed are you when men hate you, when they exclude you and revile you, cast out your name as evil for the son of man's sake. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy. That's a weird thing to say. Rejoice and leap for joy when bad things happen to you. <laughs> when bad things happen to you on account of me, you should be happy. That sounds really strange, but he finishes that passage by saying, for great will be your reward in heaven. And there's the great again. So yeah. not only do we have rewards in eternity, but there is a degree, there is a magnitude of reward here mm-hmm. because sometimes there are rewards and sometimes the reward is great. 
Um, so there's some sort of measuring system. I don't know how that works. Um, but there is one because he says that here. Great will be your reward. And so when I'm going through difficulties, because I try to follow the Lord and I try to do what he says. And sometimes that leads to suffering. And sometimes that leads to sacrifice. And I can take joy in those moments and those seasons of my life. Because I know that when I do that out of obedience to God, and it leads to hardship in some way, that great is going to be my reward in heaven. And I've kept that carrot, so to speak, in front of me since I was young. And it's really helped. It's just really helped with a lot of different things in my life to remember, hey, great's my reward in heaven. I can do that. I can invest now. You know, no pain, no gain. Right? We hear that all the time. I was in track. Um in high school, not basketball, but track. And I was also all conference and uh, subsection champion and went to sections. I missed state by literally this much, holding my fingers apart by about an inch and a half because I did shot put and I missed state by an inch and a half. Mm -hmm. um, I did discus as well and I did almost as well in discus as in shot put. And, um, and so I lifted weights all the time. I've been a weightlifter since I was 15 years old. And I understand the concept of no pain, no gain. And so you sacrifice today in order to be stronger then. You sacrifice now to be stronger then. That's how it works. That's how all exercise works, right? Certainly you can see it very, very clearly in weight training. And that's what we're talking about here. Mm -hmm. We're talking about obedience to God now, which sometimes means sacrifice, so that we can lay up treasures in heaven. Because when he says lay up treasures in heaven, he's, he's saying instead of earth. <laughs> mm -hmm. He's saying, so people on earth invest money in order to get more money or, you know, to get earthly rewards. And he's saying, make those investments into something eternal instead. And as you invest in heaven, you will reap rewards and a return on your investment in heaven. And for some reason, that just, God just helped me see that at a young age. And I was able to grab a hold of that idea. And I've been trying, you know, in my imperfect way to live that ever since and to, to try to invest all that I can in the future because jesus said that is where moth and rust do not destroy mm -hmm. thieves don't break in and steal you know the, the the even the things that we earn or store up here on earth they can get lost in one way or another the stock market <laughs> it's a good example um that takes a dive we, we we owned a small house in dayton ohio when sarah was um stationed at ray patterson air force base when she was with the air force and we owned the house during the big housing crash. And so we lost everything on our house. Wow. We had to sell the house at a huge loss. We literally emptied out our bank account wow. in, in order to sell the house that we had put quite a bit of work in, mm. work and money. Mm. We had put work and money into the house and we had to take an enormous loss to sell it. We, we literally emptied out our bank accounts and showed up in Japan broke. Huh. Um, that was tough, sure. right? But that's what happens with the treasure we lay up on this earth. Mm -hmm. That kind of stuff happens, but not with what we lay up in heaven. And that, that comforted us actually in that specific time. We were able to say, well, we might be back to being poor here, but we've really been investing a lot in the kingdom of God. So, you know, our, our, our bank account might look empty here, but our heavenly bank account probably looks a lot better. Yeah. Um, we don't get to see what it is. I suspect that it's a lot better than we think. Mm -hmm. I suspect that, as, as it says in the world, no eye has seen or mind of man imagined what God has in store for his people. 
I don't think we can even fathom how good it's going to be in heaven and how wonderful these rewards are going to be. Um, we, we talked last week about how our belief determines, you, you quoted this, Paul, our belief determines where we spend eternity and our behavior determines how we spend mm-hmm. eternity. And I think it's important to make the distinction here. When we talk about heavenly rewards, we are not talking about salvation. Salvation is not a reward that is earned by our deeds. Um, salvation, clearly, Ephesians 2, 8 through 9, for by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not of your own doing. It is a gift of God and not the result of works, so that no one can boast. And so we aren't saved through our works, through our good deeds. We don't store up points in order to get saved. Okay, That's how most other religions work. You earn your way into whatever the good graces of your religion are, the afterlife or or blessing or something like that. Um, But it works on a merit system. And that is not how Christianity works. The grace of God is a free gift. We just accept what Jesus has done. The only thing we have to do, if you you could even call it doing anything, is just surrender. (laughs) All we have to do is fall on our knees. We just surrender to Jesus and we receive what it is that he's done for us. So that's how we're saved. It has nothing to do with earning it. And maybe that's where some people get confused here when they when we talk about rewards and why they don't like it. I got into a debate years years back with some seminary students who were very against the concept of rewards, eternal rewards. And I think maybe this is where they got caught sure. up. The difference between justification and, and, and sanctification and glorification. Um, and so when we talk about rewards, we're talking about Christians, people who are already saved, they've already received the gift of life and now they are rewarded according to their deeds. That's mm-hmm. what Jesus says, Matthew 16, 27. God will reward each person according to their deeds. Matthew 19, 21, you will have treasure in heaven. Luke 14, 14, you will be blessed for you will be repaid at the resurrection. And obviously there's a lot more verses here. This really, it, there is a doctrine of eternal rewards throughout scripture. I think it's a, I think it's a very clear theme. I think it's a meaningful one. It is meaningful. Repaid is a very strong word. It is. And God is doing the repaying. Mm-hmm. So we're we're doing something. We're giving him something, and he is actually paying us back. Yes. With rewards. That's significant. Nate, this will preach. I think it will preach. This is good stuff. And, and because I was thinking that I learned it as a high school student, I think I'm going to preach it at high school. I'm, I'm preaching at Concordia Academy next week, and I think this is what I'm going to talk about. Oh, good. Because it, I, it, this really captivated me when I was young. The idea that what we do matters. And as you were saying last week, this isn't just the big stuff. This is little stuff, too. Everything yes. we do matters. Every yeah. prayer that you pray for another person, every kind word that you give, every um, person... You, person that you talk to, even though you're kind of shy and you don't really like to go and talk to people, but somebody looks like they're kind of feeling down and you go talk to them, that's a sacrifice. Okay? And that is repay at the resurrection. Um, no, nothing goes unnoticed by God. And the idea of living our lives now in such a way that our eternal life is better is, is a very strong theme. In the Gospels, a very strong theme. So our belief determines where we spend our eternity, mm-hmm. but our behavior determines, at least to some degree, how we spend that eternity. Because our behavior is what dictates 
the rewards that we get. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that's simple obedience, I think, to the Lord. It's kindness. There are certain things that, I mean, anything Jesus tells us to do in Scripture, do those things, <laughs> right? That's mm-hmm. pretty obvious. And then follow the leading of the Lord in your life. And the decisions that we make and where we spend our money, for example, where we spend our time, um, those things matter eternally and not just now. They really do matter forever. You made an important point when you read from Ephesians 2. Obviously, for by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. So we're not saved by works. Mm -hmm. So what are we saved for? Next verse. Listen to this. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. We're created for works. We're created to do stuff. We're not. Which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Right. So we're not saved by good works. We're saved by Christ alone. Mm -hmm. Through faith alone. But we were created to do good works. That's why we made. And non-Christians get this. There are certain truths in Christianity that non-Christians see because they're obvious. Life is suffering. That's obvious to everybody, right? Mm-hmm. And we should do good deeds for other people. That is obvious to everyone. But uh, what's not obvious is that God specifically created us in order to do them. And there are certain things that we will come, in, come into contact with in our lives that God specifically created us to do. Mm-hmm. There are little things, but there are also big things. I believe that There are things that we come into contact with in our life, whether they're struggles that we face or opportunities that we face. And that moment and the decision we make in that moment is one of the reasons why we were created. And that when we do what it is God's calling us to do and we be Jesus in those situations, that's those are the times when heaven cheers. Yes. And and we, we there's a big reward in store. It's all grace. Listen to this. We're saved by grace. And then we're called to assignments that he gives us. Then he empowers us to do them. Mm-hmm. And then he rewards us for doing them. <laughs> it's crazy. It's, but it's all grace, God. grace, grace, yes, grace. Yes, it's all God. Every step of the way, it's God. We are just partners. Mm-hmm. In the first part, when it comes to salvation, all we do is surrender. We don't have anything to do with it. God's the one who saves us. But when it comes to doing the good deeds, yes, we make a choice. And yes, yes, we... We have to do something, and sometimes it involves sacrifice, sometimes it involves suffering, but God's the one who gives us the grace to do it. Without him, we wouldn't be able to do those things. So God still gets the glory. And even though God is the one who should get the glory for everything, he still chooses to reward us. Yes. It's pretty amazing. But that's who God is. That is who God is. Let me read you something out of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. Mm. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must first believe that he exists and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. So the bar starts really low here. He says, first, if you're going to come to God and and get faith that's going to please him, you have to first believe he exists. Well, duh. That's like, (laughs) that is literally step one. That is first. Okay. You first need to believe God exists. So he's the the author of Hebrews here, uh, you know, probably Luke, whoever wrote it, is starting right at the beginning. The, ba- the bare bones. You first have to believe that God exists. But what's the very next thing he says? And that he is a rewarder. Mm-hmm. God is a rewarder. 
We need to believe this. I love it. We need to believe that our God is a rewarder of those who seek him, a rewarder of those who obey him. If you asked a lot of Christians, is God just, they'd say yes. Is God loving, they'd say yes. Is God a rewarder? I don't know what they'd say. Is God a rewarder? Why? Why don't they automatically say yes? We should all automatically say, yes, God is a rewarder. Of those who seek him. Of course he is. Like, we should know this. This should be basic. From Hebrews, it looks like it should be basic. But I don't think it is. I don't think it is in the church. No, because they think we're messing with good works. And we're, we know we're not saved by works. But like you say, there's a difference between salvation and sanctification. Absolutely. It's completely different things. Um, and I think a lot of Christians have this, again, this idea of God is a miserly old man in the sky. That's who God is. He's kind of crotchety. He's essentially Ebenezer Scrooge. Okay, God is Scrooge. He doesn't want to give out anything. He's miserly. He's he's selfish and he holds everything back. So God, they think God is like Scrooge before the ghosts come. And that is not who God is. That, that, that is not the God of the New Testament. Right here in Hebrews, God is a rewarder of those who seek him. It's who he is. It's part of his nature. He can't help it. He can't change it. That's who he is. He is a rewarder of those who seek him. God is not Scrooge before the ghosts. God is Scrooge after the ghosts. And if you've ever seen any rendition of the Christmas Carol, Scrooge after the ghosts is hilarious. He goes and buys the biggest turkey in the in the city. A ridiculously large, extravagant, okay? He like buys out all the toy shops. He buys food for adults. He buys stuff for kids. It's it's lavish to the point of being ridiculous. And I think that's a great picture of who God actually is. Mm-hmm. I think God is an extravagant rewarder of those who seek him. Because when I read the words of Jesus, he's always saying, please do this so that great it will be your reward in heaven. I want you to have a great reward in heaven. Heaven is fantastic, guys. You have no idea. It is so cool. And the more rewards you have, the better it's going to be for you. I really want you to have as much as possible. So please, please, please do this stuff so that you can have more rewards. And I think some of us have this fake piety yeah which i think is a pride thing in reality mm -hmm. this religion maybe it's a religious spirit that says no i'm, I'm not gonna i don't want any rewards i'm not gonna seek any of that kind of stuff i'm just gonna be humble but that's not humility no, it isn't. that's not humility at all that's uh passivity is what it is and paul that's not paul paul says i have fought the fight mm -hmm. that's active that's not passive i have run the race that's hard it hurts. And the race there probably means the marathon race. That was the, the famous race in Greece. That's long. It's arduous. Most people don't make it. It's tough. Um, and Paul is very proud of himself that he's finished it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and that God has helped him finish it. And he gives God credit for that. And so these rewards are important to God. That's what I get when I read all these verses. And we've only touched on the breadth of scripture on these verses. But to me... It seems that God is a rewarder and he really wants us to get these rewards. It's important to him. And so even if I didn't already have a theological understanding of this, I think I would choose to do it anyway now. Mm -hmm. Because it's clearly important to God. And if it's important to God, then I want to be a part of it and I want to do it. And again, we're not saying that you should obey God and you should do things in your life out of some sort of selfish motive. Of course, we do things out of our love for God, out of our response for all the grace he has given us, for adopting us into his family, for loving us and forgiving us the way he does. That is the motivation why we do things. But a secondary motivation is because 
he will reward us for doing them. Mm-hmm. And there have been decisions I've made in my life, like to come and work for Harvest Communities. I quit a job that paid a real salary. I'm not going to say how much it was because it was still you know low by most people's standards, but it was the most money I've ever made. Mm-hmm. And I quit that job to come work for Harvest Communities where I made a tenth of that. And that is a sacrifice. Mm-hmm. That is a legitimate, easy-to-see sacrifice. And I know that my reward isn't on this earth because my paycheck isn't. <laughs> <laughs> but my reward is in heaven because I obeyed. I did the right thing and I obeyed. And I'm not trying to paint myself as a hero. I'm just saying, like, we all face decisions in our life. And most of the ones that I think have the most impact are the ones that are the hardest. Mm-hmm. Because if it was super easy, you know, what would be the difficulty? But it's it's the difficult decisions. It's just the decisions that involve sacrifice. It's when God says, I want you to write a big check for that mission group to Africa because those people need your money. That is tough. That is a sacrifice. But God, I had been saving that money for my family, for Disney World, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> um, and now you want me to spend that. And so that's a sacrifice. But if we obey God in those times, then that, in this case, literal investment of money is treasure that we're laying up in heaven. Amen. And you can't beat that because heaven is a long time. And as we talked about earlier, you know, if you draw a line on a piece of paper and then a tiny dot at the beginning, our life is that tiny dot at the beginning. And that line goes on forever because our life is eternal. And so this little dot that we live in now, that is, it's worth sacrificing now for later because later is so long. Eternity is so long. If I can get a reward that's going to last forever, that is really worth a little sacrifice now. It's worth a lot of sacrifice now. In fact, I would say we should be all in. We should be all in on everything. Our stuff, our money, our time, our life. We should shove everything out on the table for God and for eternity because that is the best investment we can make. And that is what I see Jesus saying and Paul saying over and over again.